0: Uh, I'm gonna say, no one's better than me, for Welcome to the People's Pod, here on Locked On Dolphins. There is some poetic, clever dad joke... Yet to be made about the podcast, Pod of Dolphins. You see where I'm going. If you can help me with this branding, I'm Kyle Krabs, at Grinding the Tape on Twitter. And I am desperate for your help. Because I would love to brand the people's episode of Locked on Dolphins Podcast in a way in which it's eye-rollingly bad but good at the same time. Listen, today's show... Is all about you. I took to Twitter Locked On Finns with a PH. And yesterday I asked you for your fan questions about the Miami Dolphins. What do you want to be discussed on Locked On Dolphins? And that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to answer as many of the questions as I possibly can. Now I say that. With the admission that I got over 50 questions. So, I can't guarantee I'm going to get to yours. But I am going to pick out as many of the thought-provoking, interesting questions that I possibly can. But before we do, there's more franchise tag news that is coming out. Courtesy now of Jenna Lane of ESPN, who if you're not familiar with, uh, is an awesome reporter. Highly recommend following her on social media. Primarily does Bucs coverage, but this is a time of year in which she seems to get a number of good scoops. We have an evolving free agent pool as teams continue to identify who their franchise tag players are going to be, committing to using the franchise tag in general, or ultimately deciding to let like guys ball. So, I hate the franchise tag. I would love it if I was a GM of a team. But as somebody who's looking at free agency and and wanting to get players on expired contracts into my building for interviews, especially as the team, let's be honest, who has the most money to spend, uh, the franchise tag kind of sucks right now because Jacksonville Jaguars are going to or uh, are reported to be planning to use their franchise tag on Yannick Ngakwe. Buzzkill. The Pittsburgh Steelers are planning on using their franchise tag on Bud Dupree, buzzkill. The Baltimore Ravens, according to Jenna Lane, are planning to use their franchise tag on outside linebacker Matt Judon, which is a major buzzkill to the Dolphins' hopes of upgrading their pass rush ahead of the 2020 NFL Draft. In addition, also according to ESPN's Jen Lane, the Washington Redskins will be using their franchise tag on offensive guard Brandon Scherf. So you go through the list of players that teams are going to be committing to using the franchise tag for at this point in time. And it's a lot of players that hurts the Dolphins because they are players that play the positions of dire need for the Miami Dolphins, namely Jacksonville's Yannick Ngakwe, Baltimore's Matt Judon, Washington's Brandon Scherf. I don't think we should be wringing our hands over the removal of Scherf from the market because Scherf is a guy who has some dwindling durability on his resume. Uh, injuries have been a problem. He's ended the last two years on injured reserve. So th- that's not a killer, especially when you consider this guy's probably going to get 14 to $16 million a year. Where the Dolphins will feel this impact is in their alternative options. You think about Andres Pete, offensive guard, From New Orleans Saints. Joe Tooney. From the New England Patriots. These guys are going to hit the market. And these guys are not only going to hit the market. They're going to hit the market with. Less competitors to command that top dollar. And the end result is their market value on the open market. Once they're negotiating with teams. You're going to pay through the nose. For these guys. That's the hurt. The hurt with Scherf leaving the market is that you're now going to have to pay more money because there's more scarcity to acquire an Andres Pete or a Joe Tooney. As far as the Matt Judon situation with the Baltimore Ravens, this one hurts in a different way. And it hurts because as we having seen the, the NFL combine this past week, it's becoming increasingly more apparent that there's only a handful of really good options in the 2020 NFL draft to upgrade your pass rush. And so now the Dolphins have to ask themselves, is there anybody worth taking at 18? Do we trade up from 18 if we want to address the pass rush? Do we overpay for Jadavion Clowney? It's a whole mess. And that's the unfortunate reality of seeing so many of these pass rushers getting slapped with a franchise. tag. Chris Jones from uh, Kansas City who plays interior defensive line is another name. So if you get after the quarterback odds are you're probably going to get slapped with a franchise tag. But enough with the depressing speculation on the 2020 free agent market. I'm sure we'll circle back to this throughout the course of the People's Pod today uh at Locked on Fins with a PH on Twitter sent out the tweet yesterday. If you have Fins up questions for grinding the tape for this week's fan episode of Locked on Fins Send him in. What do you want to hear us talk about? First question of the day comes from Bob Snedeker. Do you think there's a chance Miami doesn't go quarterback at five? Go best player available in the first round and go after Jake Fromm at 39. Side note, I love Tua and would take him at five. And if he's going, take love over Herbert. But looking at all options and this man, my goodness, Bob. You are a man after my heart because you sent in a mock draft, a seven-round Miami Dolphins mock draft from thedraftnetwork.com, which, if you're not familiar, is where I call home. That's uh, that's one of the lead draft analysts there at thedraftnetwork.com. And he used our mock draft simulator to produce a draft class that had Isaiah Simmons, Tristan Wirfs, A.J. Epinesa, Jake Fromm, Ashton Davis, and J.K. Dobbins in the top 100. Do I think there is a chance the Dolphins don't go quarterback at five? Sure. I know better at this point in time, having covered the draft for seven seasons now, uh, than to say no or speak in absolutes about the NFL draft. I will never say it's impossible, right? Would I be stunned? Yes. Even if they take Isaiah Simmons. By the way, Tristan Worf's at 18. Uh, I know the simulator is going to give you a bunch of different scenarios, and there's, there's tens of thousands of simulations run on a day-by-day basis on the website. So you'll get to see some stuff like Tristan Wirfs there at 18. But if, if I were a betting man, i bet Tristan Wirfs. I bet all four of the top offensive tackles are off the board by 18. So Isaiah Simmons at 5, and then looking at an early second-round quarterback. If the Dolphins were to adopt this approach... Like the pick of Simmons, first of all. I like the picks of potentially offensive linemen, Jedrick Wills, Mekhi Beckton Tristan Wirfs. Uh, even Tristan Wirfs up at five, I wouldn't hate. Do I think it's great value? No. Jeff Okuda, if he's there. There's a whole lot of options, and it's a pretty spot to be in for Miami if they choose not to pick a quarterback or if the quarterbacks run off in front of them because they choose they want to prioritize their draft cap. Where you lose me, Bob, is Jake Fromm at 39. I don't think Jake Fromm's a top 100 pick. To be completely honest with you, he's a smart dude, but you see lots of smart quarterbacks that are physically limited and don't have the high-end athletic skills that they need from an arm talent perspective, from an extending the play perspective. I don't think Jake Fromm checks that box. I think Jake Fromm is extremely limited. Uh, he, he just does not have the same appeal. I don't think he can be a high end starter at the pro level. I know he's a popular guy coming into the season, you know, played at Georgia. He's a household name. I get it. But if you were to ask me who would early day two option be, I'm hoping for Jordan Love. And if he's not there, then I'm probably, I'm looking to manufacture that third, first round pick for 2021. But that's even a dangerous proposition because you don't want to get into a pissing contest with the Carolina Panthers, who are pulling a page out of the 2019 Dolphins playbook. They're going to be selling a lot of their assets, including Trey Turner, an offensive guard, who I think we should be calling about. We're going to continue with the fan questions, but first, a brief message from some of our sponsors.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
0: And we're back. Welcome to the People's Podcast here on Locked On Dolphins. And I have a question from David, which is a complicated one. Is it just Tua Tonga Viola's medicals that have caused such confusion over his draft status, or are there other factors that have come into play, such as meddling family, his measurables, poor interviews? David, there's a lot of layers to the Tua thing, and I wouldn't say I would say with confidence that poor interviews is not a problem. He is an A plus football character, locker room character. Uh, he's an outstanding young man. He came in at six feet tall, two hundred seventeen pounds. Not big, but not small either. Right? Like you saw, we saw Kyler Murray, who was probably with a little bit of help, five ten, <laughs> and slightly smaller than Tua. I, th- I I think the medicals for sure. I think there are some questions from NFL executives, and you could choose to buy into this whether you want to or not. There's some questions from some of the NFL executives, including individuals that I talked to last week, regarding the system that they played at Alabama, a lot of high-end RPO-type stuff. I personally don't subscribe to that school of thought because I've seen him succeed in a vertical passing offense under Michael Oxley in 2018, and then I watched him with Steve Sarkeesian coming into the, the, the building in 2019, and he ran the quick game pretty proficiently and, and made a lot of checks at the line of scrimmage. But that is a question, including you know throwing to four guys who are going to be first-round picks at wide receiver between Ruggs, Waddle, Judy, and Devonta Smith, half those guys going back to school. That's a big factor, and I think his family can be a bit polarizing uh, for teams uh, I know the the analogy that some have made to a much lesser degree but his family's very hands on with what he's doing and they were hands on with the decision that he made and, and to a it was very candid talking about his decision to declare and he talked about how this was a decision that was what was best for not only him but also for his family that hands on analogy and, and how Tua was coached from his by his father at a young age has drawn at least some comparisons to LeVar and Alonzo Ball uh, for being very engaged and wanting to have input and say on where he's going and what he's doing. And you saw that a little bit at the Super Bowl as far as uh, Galu, his father, kind of mentioning to some folks throughout the course of the week in Miami that he hopes he's in Miami. And then you read the Miami Sun-Sentinel report about Tua's meeting with the Dolphins, and it read as though it was coming from somebody from Tua's camp, and they were talking about how they wanted to be in Miami and how Miami was the right place for him. And With that report coming out so quickly after Miami's meeting, I don't know how Miami feels about that. I can't imagine it's a, a, a backbreaker or anything like that, but it's at least a variable that gets thrown into the mix that is maybe a variable that's not frequently considered. With a lot of quarterback prospects, because it's not the standard relationship that a prospect has with his parents. So, uh, I also think the Dolphins, the, the the medicals is the huge thing, right? And, and it's being comfortable with that, and the prospect of giving up picks to go up and get him. And if he's still going to be there at five, again, that's I'm going to beat that drum so hard over the next six weeks, eight weeks. Don't trade the picks, please. If somebody else wants to mortgage their future for the risk involved with the hip, go ahead. If Detroit wants to make that decision for themselves because they think it's going to extend their window and job security, go ahead. I'm more comfortable with the other alternatives and having more picks at my disposal at this point in time. With that said, I also think Tua is a phenomenal quarterback prospect. It's kind of the, the the curse and the luxury of trusting your coaching staff and your decision makers because of what they were able to do with so little talent this past year, that they're going to get people in the building that they want to work with, they feel like they can mold, and they're actually going to do it. Uh, Jason Wood. The draft is just as deep with next year's quarterbacks as it is this year. We should take Isaiah Simmons. He's an animal. I understand we took Cole Pepper instead of Drew Brees. We passed on Brees because we weren't sure how the— Shoulder was going to rebound, but still. So, yeah, I mean, we're, you're going to start to see, and I love that the fan base is at least opening themselves up to this, this debate of best player available, impact player, I, and especially Simmons in Brian Flores' defense is pretty exciting proposition. But um, I don't know. I, I really struggle with the, the prospect of not investing in a quarterback this year because I like the options this year. I would, at the right price, like Tua I would love Joe Burrow I would really like Justin Herbert I'd be fine with Jordan Love if the price is right and I think each one of those guys different values different alternatives different options you know, different battle plans and plans of attack would I love jo- Jordan Love at 5 no I'd be pretty upset if they took Jordan Love at 5 to be completely honest with you would I be mad if they traded up to 3 for Justin Herbert yeah I would if the price was right to trade up to one for Joe Burrow, would I like it? You're damn right I would. They sit tight at, at, at five and they choose Tua or Herbert, would I be upset? No. I'd be excited. So, but the question becomes, you know, then, I don't think you're going to get anybody other than Jordan Love. You have to take it five. So, it becomes Jordan Love plus Isaiah Simmons or quarterback of a higher quality, higher floor And maybe not a higher ceiling, but less inherent risk. I don't know. I I think quarterback needs to be the play early on. This is what you've positioned yourself for. This is why you undertook the rebuild that you did, so that you would be in position to draft a high-end quarterback prospect and make it count. And I think the Dolphins need to do that Even if it means that the, listen, you still got 18 and 26. You want to get freaky. Go ahead, take your quarterback first and then get freaky. I bet the Carolina Panthers as a team getting ready to rebuild would love to have a bunch of additional draft capital. Wonder if they can, how can you go from 18 to seven and really get weird if you want to be aggressive? Uh, 305 Vibes. What is the price for Yannick Ngakwe after getting tagged today and wanting out of Jacksonville? I see us going out to get him. Man, I would love to. I don't think you'll get Yannick for anything less than a one this year and a future day two pick. That gets to be a scary proposition. But if there's a team that could ever absorb that, it is these Miami Dolphins. If you took Yannick Ngakwe, who's 25, this could be 25 in 2020, and you add him, two-year roster for the cost of 26 and a third-round pick next year for a team next year that's already got two two, two ones and two twos, you're really just spending the pick on an accelerated contract from 26, which was technically going to be an asset that you were going to have to pay anyway because that pick came from Laramie Tunzel. So I would expect a, a one this year and a day two pick next year is the cost. Who are your top five safeties? This comes from Kevin. Kevin's a longtime follower. Always appreciate seeing him on my timeline. Who are your top five safeties for Miami in the draft, and which one would you target in what round? Thoughts on Julian Blackman as a single high option. A lot of nuance to this question. This is a complicated proposition that you brought to the table here. Kevin, let me say this. The uh, first touching on Julian Blackman as a single high option. If you're not familiar with Julian Blackman as a prospect, you should first of all hit subscribe on Draft Dudes. But second of all, uh, Julian Blackman is from Utah. He's a former corner prospect who's converted over to safety, and I'm not buying single high because if you watched the USC game for Julian Blackman, you will see bad angles all over the place. So the ball skills are there as a corner, but the angles and anticipation as a single high safety option are not very attractive. To me. Uh, Safeties for Miami. If I were to tab a couple guys, you know, I'm I'm looking at the draftnetwork.com's big board, which is constructed by myself and several of my other coworkers trying to piece together who the best prospects are at each position. Xavier McKinney makes a lot of sense. He'd have to be there at either 18, maybe 26. A lot of mock drafts right now are slotting him to the San Francisco 49ers at 31. But Xavier McKinney, he's also a threat to go at 17 in front of Miami to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, gives you a lot of what Minka Fitzpatrick can give you and bring you. Uh, hopefully without the attitude problem that Minka seemed to adopt when he thought he should be playing single high safety. And he played single high safety for 14 games and he didn't decide he didn't like that either. So... That's neither here nor there. Antoine Winfield uh, would be the next name that I would tab. There's some, some injury red flags there to be aware of for Antoine Winfield, but uh, he's 5'10", 195. He ran four four five, which was a great time for him. Uh, kind of opens up the possibility to him playing free safety. You Go watch the Penn State game this past year for Antoine Winfield. Uh, I think valuations either 26 or 39 would be good spots for him. I'm going to tab Jeremy Chin from Southern Illinois as the next one. This kid is... Funny, 6'3", 219, small school kid, Southern Illinois, he played at FCS level. And he had really explosive numbers. Now, again, 6'3", 219. You play him at linebacker on the second level. He could play Will. He could play strong safety. He could play zone coverage. He's really long. He played some successful man-to-man. I think Chin, who went down to the Senior Bowl, had a good showing. It's at the Combine, had a good showing. I think this is potential 56 or 70 option. Uh, really excited about him as a move piece. If they can't get either uh, McKinney or, or Winfield, or they're they're scared off by Winfield's medicals, uh, round two, early round three option there. Ashton Davis from Cal, obviously the connection there with Coach Alexander coming to uh, coach uh, in the secondary for the Dolphins from Cal. Ashton Davis is the prospect. Uh, he's got a track background. He's 6'1", 195. Pretty attractive free safety option if they wanted to move Bobby McCain back to the nick. Uh He's probably going to be there at 56. Don't think he'd necessarily make it to uh, 70. And my last choice would be Alohi Gilman from Notre Dame. Kind of a traditional strong safety box guy. Uh, he's really smart. He ran 4'6", so his range isn't great. He's, he's fairly conservative in deep coverages so that he doesn't get out of position. And uh, get manipulated in deep targets, but uh, he's four six guy, but he's super smart, super versatile. Love him as a blitzer, big presence in the box. I think Brian Flores can make uh, make a pretty good amount of impact with him on the team. It continues with some additional fan questions, but not before this brief message from some of our sponsors.
1: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this off season, If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
0: All right, we're back. Last segment of the day, and we got a lot of fan questions to get to. I'm going to try my best to get you. And if I don't, I may or may not be invoking more fan questions on tomorrow's show. Colin wants to know, any signs Miami is going to make a big free agent splash like in many years past like Sue? Or do they spend spend smartly? I think this team can get aggressive. I think the offensive line is an area in which they're going to have to because there's so many chips that need to fall, and they have so much cap space. Front load a contract for a guy. I do think they get a big-name guy. They were in play for Trey Flowers last year before the price got to $18 million, $19 million a year. So, yeah, I think the Dolphins can be aggressive. I don't think that they're going to send out a record-setting contract uh, unless it's specifically for a single position, like a, a, a guard record-setting contract. And this plays into Layton's question. How far are you willing to go to ensure Joe Thune is a Dolphin? I think this is less of a slam dunk than what it was before the coaching staff changes. Uh, When Chad O'Shea was still here, it felt like an obvious attack for them. Uh, But with that said, the coaching staff, many of the assistant coaches are familiar with Joe Thune. If they deem he's worth the money, 15 mil probably is what it's going to cost. I'd be okay with it, especially if you front load it, get the guarantees out of the way in the first two years. Give him $30 million in cash uh, over his first two seasons. Uh, question from Chris, what are the Dolphins most likely to do in the draft? Trade up to two with Washington, trade up to three with Detroit, or stay put at pick number five? I would, if it's me, I've already said this, and I'm going to continue to say this, I would stay put at five. What is most likely? I don't think you have to get to two. And if somebody wants to trade up in front of you preemptively to go to two, God bless you, because it costs you four first-round picks. Have fun with that. I think the most likely option is flip a coin between trading up to three with Detroit to ensure they get their quarterback of choice or staying put at number five. Alejandro wants to know, what are your thoughts on drafting a running back in the first round, and who would be your choice if all of them were available? First of all, I hate this idea. This is not a premier position. There's a ton of good running backs. You could probably get Cam Akers at 56 or 70, and he's going to be a comparable player to whoever you spend at 26. But I'm not spending it on a running back at 18, period. I'm not pulling a page out of the Jacksonville Jaguars playbook and drafting one at five either, like they did with Leonard Fournette a few years ago. The Cowboys did it with Zeke Elliott. No thank you. 26 is the only spot, and it's only somewhat receptive because the team has three first-round picks. That helps. I think J.K. Dobbins is probably their top choice. Dobbins indicated at Combine that he spoke with Coach Studeville a number of times, the running backs coach here in Miami. Um, Dobbins is three-down caliber back. I liked what he did this year as far as getting explosiveness back he was banged up in 2018 and he's healthy in 2019 he put up 2000 rushing yards uh i think he's miami's flavor of choice i could see deandre swift i don't think jonathan taylor's the best choice for us uh i think the other guys give you a little bit more as far as creating things in the hole uh continuing the running back questions Uh, Kana wants to know, I know you hate the idea of going after a free agent running back, but what happens if Carolina goes scorched earth and makes Christian McCaffrey available? Any interest? Listen, I think there's a fair chance this actually happens because the Carolina Panthers have to look at what happened with the L.A. Rams and Todd Gurley. The L.A. Rams and Todd Gurley, they signed a big contract extension with two years left on Gurley's rookie deal, And this is now the first year of the contract extension, and he's getting a ton of money, like $15 million. And they broke him down. They wore him out. They got a ton of mileage on his tires. The knee's looking shaky and bulky at best for him. And there's a 0% chance that they don't regret that contract because they're in salary cap hell right now. Carolina Panthers is a team that's rebuilding. It's going to have to look themselves in the mirror and say, well, over three years... We've given him like 900 touches, so he's getting 300 touches per game or per season. He's getting a ton of volume, taking a ton of hits. He's still young, but he's still valuable. Do we move him? As a team that's rebuilding and being realistic and that we're probably not going to compete over the course of the next two or three seasons, Carolina should move Christian McCaffrey, if we're being honest because you're never going to get a better value for him than what he's available for right now. Would I be interested? 26. Sure, sure at 26, but I don't think 26 gets it done, and I can't justify giving multiple picks up for a back. It's such an easy position to find comparable value to once you have a competent and offensive line, and I had to throw that caveat in there because the Dolphins didn't have a. Comparable offense or a competent offensive line, which is why Ryan Fitzpatrick finishes the season as your team's rushing a leading rusher. James, can you talk about what kind of cerebral testing of Herbert the Finns may have done to avoid another frozen mistake? That's a, that's a complicated question. There's a lot of depth there that I'm not educated or qualified to touch upon. Um, I think the whiteboard sessions are, are invaluable there, and uh, I think Miami's trade with Arizona, it was kind of a byproduct of not having the chance to, to have communications with him before deciding to trade for him, obviously because he was on another team. But I guarantee you if Miami knew how mentally far away Josh Rosen was from being a polished player, He's probably not the guy. They probably don't make that move. Everett, man, I like what you're thinking here, guys. Is there any reasonable way to get both the quarterback and Isaiah Simmons? Yes. Take the quarterback at 5 and then trade up from 18 with whatever you need to get done. Maybe 18, a 2, and next year's 1 to trade up to 7 with the Panthers, who are looking towards the future. The Panthers are your friend if you're the Dolphins in this scenario, because they want future picks, and you're a team that has picks now and in the future, and you can choose to attack that however you may so choose. Uh, JP, with the real possibility that the Dolphins don't draft a quarterback this year and instead decide to roll with Ryan Fitzpatrick and possibly even Josh Rosen at some point, what would you need to see in order to feel comfortable with Rosen taking the reins as a franchise quarterback? Well, a lot needs to be different, and I, I think this is kind of an interesting time to bring into the, the discussion here the offensive coordinator change, because I'm fascinated by this coordinator change. I'm fascinated that they, they get a young quarterback that's considered a, to be a bright talent, considered to be a super intelligent guy, and he gets into the Dolphins offense, and he cannot, for the life of him, grasp the offense. Does the change to Chan Gailey help enable Josh Rosen to grasp an offense better? Does it give him more opportunities to succeed? Those are variables that need to be answered. But at the same time, we've now seen Josh Rosen have seven offensive coordinators in six seasons, including this year. This is his third pro season. He had four offensive coordinators in three years in the NFL now. and He had three offensive coordinators in three seasons at UCLA. My fear for Josh is that is a lot of turnover. It is a lot of new learning and instability, and that can be difficult to overcome. Last question of the day from Jack. Is this the year Miami learns how to shut down Buffalo's running back Josh Allen? Yeah, uh, Miami has this weird habit, skill, gift, if you will, of making – Players on other teams have career games against the Dolphins on a regular basis. Who remembers Rob Ninkovich on the Patriots? That guy killed Miami. Game in and game out, just killed the Dolphins. Josh Allen's another one. Josh Allen will play some teams, and he looks like he's lost. To Josh Allen's credit, Josh Allen looked much better this year than he did last year, and Josh Allen is a a developing quarterback who is being put in a situation that I would love to see the Miami Dolphins emulate with their own young quarterback, whoever that may be, and let him grow. But if there's one thing Josh Allen doesn't have trouble with, it's beating the brakes off the Dolphins. They need more push from a pass rush perspective, because that's how you get him uncomfortable. And Buffalo has skewed their passing offense to be a lot of quick game type stuff. Balls out of his hands fast. And what that allows you to do is if you can't get home with organic pressure, you get a blitz. And when you blitz, you can commit more people. When you commit more people, the reads get simpler because there's less people and less noise in the secondary. And then that ball can get out quick. And when you don't blitz and you try and sink into coverage and your pass rush stinks, he's going to hold the ball forever because he's got not a care in the world about pass rush and getting hit in the mouth. So I don't know if this is the year that they solve it, but it can't be any worse than last year because they've got to address the pass rush. they got to get better there. No questions asked. Hope you guys enjoyed today's fan episode of Locked on Dolphins. I am Kyle Krabs at Grinding the Tape. Managing Editor of USA Today's Dolphins Wire, a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, and a diehard Draftnik, Senior NFL Draft Analyst for TheDraftNetwork.com. You can continue to listen along. Our draft podcast is Draft Dudes with Locked On Bills host Joe Marino. We definitely get at each other's throats for being AFC East fans. You can swing by TheDraftNetwork.com, DolphinsWire.com, or you can listen by hitting subscribe right here on Locked On Dolphins. I'm Kyle Krabs. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening, guys. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason,
1: look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast.